Hey, chiropractors and marketers. We are ready for another modern chiropractic marketing show with Dr. Kevin Christie, where we discuss the latest in marketing strategies, content marketing, direct response marketing, and business development with some of the leading experts in the industry. Welcome to another episode of the Modern Chiropractic Marketing Show. This is your host, Dr. Kevin Christie, and today I've got a nice little chat with Dr. Bobby Maybe, who is my partner in crime with the Chiropractic Success Academy. Today we, we talk about a lot of different topics and we get in into some detail of it, so it's not just a um, pure conversation, but it's more conversational style than, than maybe some of our other podcast episodes where it's more interview. And we actually utilize this as an example of repurposing. I talk to chiropractors a lot that feel overwhelmed with creating content and always discuss there's three things you need to do. One is create, you know, that's a big part of it for sure. Um, Two is curate, which is utilize other people's content that supports your narrative. And then three is to repurpose. And so this is an example of creating and repurposing. So we're creating one show and we're going to repurpose it for my podcast and for Bobby's podcast. And so it's an example of where you can leverage the power of repurposing. And that's what we're doing here today. We are going to discuss the Chiropractic Success Academy retreat and what the details of some of that are. I'm excited about it. My my role in it, other than connecting with you and having fun while we're out there, is I will be presenting on optimization, automation, and outsourcing. For instance, uh, I'm diving really deep right now into Zapier, which is a technology that'll really help you automate into your clinic. We've utilized Zapier a lot for CSA, all the backend things, like when someone registers, all these things happen that are automated. Well, we're going to be diving deep on how you can utilize that for your practice, for the automation side of things, for the optimization we will really work on some of that, you know, like, okay, we got to set up email templates. We need to make sure that the patient experience is optimized here. And we'll get into that part of it. And then we'll talk about delegating and outsourcing within reason, within your budget, of course. And so we're going to have a good time in the CSA retreat. It's really going to be fun, but we're also going to dive deep into that. And then the other part of it is we're going to break off. You know, we have Dr. Josh Satterley coming, talking about implementing rehab efficiently into your practice from not only a logistical standpoint, but also a revenue center. We have Dr. Aaron Jorgensen talking about ethical PI. He does a great job and he's just a very ethical and successful chiropractor. And I think that's going to be great for people to see and he'll be presenting on that. And then we're going to go into breakouts of three different groups where we'll have the very experienced chiropractors that maybe are looking at so, you know, whether it's multiple locations or exit strategies, some of those types of things where like Dr. Josh Satterley, we'll meet with them and talk with them in a small group because he's built and sold a practice. Then we'll have the middle group, which are say chiropractors that are in the throes of it. You know, let's call it seven years in just getting really going. I'll be working with them in a small group. And then Bobby's going to work with some of the younger chiropractors uh, that are really getting kind of their their feet underneath them and he'll be working with them. So a lot of good information. We're really going to make it um, stuff that you can take home that Monday and do, but we're also going to have fun. So I highly recommend registering for that. And that is at bit.ly slash CSA retreat. And I'd love to see you there. 
without further ado, here's my kind of interview. I interview Bobby and he interviews me and we kind of go back and forth and we utilize it for both podcasts. So here is the discussion with Dr. Bobby Mabe. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is the podcast podcast, <laughs> the two DCs podcast with Dr. Kevin Christie. Hello, Kevin. How are you today? And Dr. Bobby, maybe I'm good. We're uh, this is the two guys podcast because we're going to diversify this content into both of our different podcasts, the forward thinking chiropractic Alliance podcast and your modern chiropractic marketing podcast. Absolutely. It'll be cool. I think I've seen this done before. Well, we never know. I like experimenting because it doesn't really matter just as long as we have good conversation. Yeah. For people who are listening to this and don't know about your podcast, where can they find it? Yeah, the Modern Chiropractic Marketing Show. You can type in that URL. You can look for the Facebook group. You can Google it. If you don't know what Google is, you can Google, Google. Google, Google. <laughs> it's like podcast, podcast. Like the two guys podcast. Yeah, exactly. And for my for people who don't know about my group, it's called the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance. Yes, there's a Facebook group. Uh, there is a website, forwardthinkingchiro.com, which we'll refer to again in, in the near future here on this show. And then the podcast itself is Forward, the podcast of the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance. It's on iTunes, Stitcher, the website itself. And now it's also on Spotify. Man getting that coverage out there. You know, we have sponsors now, Kevin. So no, I know you're you, going to please them. You got some good guests too. Like I like listening to your podcast because you, uh, you got some big hitters on there and I think it's very wide ranging as far as the, the conversations go. I want to get a little wider though. I think I, I want to interview a lot more people from different professions and start to give people more perspectives about life in general, because we get stuck in our little professional bubble and we might not realize that a lot of people are going through a lot of the same or similar challenges, which you probably see more of as a member of strategic coach, right? I do, which is why actually I joined them back in the day is because I didn't want to be put in a box uh, that most chiropractic coaching is. And I wanted to be at more of like an entrepreneur and understand business and marketing and be able to then apply it to the type of chiropractic that I wanted, basically. Yeah, I had a friend once... Um, Similar things that we talk about, I never would consider myself a consultant, you know, maybe a coach, but maybe more of a guide, but maybe a coach would be fair. And I always talk to him about like someday this business acumen that he has and the clinical acumen I have and, and things like that, we should provide a service to people. We should be coaches. And he, he was always like, uh, all right, when I make my first million dollars, then I'll consider it. <laughs> and it was like, I don't think it's ever going to work that way then. And quite frankly, I don't think making the million makes you an expert on any of the content. No, it doesn't. And sometimes those folks are not good at coaching. They're more like um, anomalies. You know, sometimes the biggest ones you see in, in business or practice are complete anomalies or complete innovators. And they're, you're not going to be able to replicate what they do in your practice. You have to make yourself your own anomaly, which leads us to the Chiropractic Success Academy, or at least in my mind, our shameless self-plugging that we're going to do here for a moment. Uh, you and me started this Chiropractic Success Academy. It was originally sort of my idea to create a thing that was sort of like a YouTube of really good chiropractic information. You know, and you got to pay for it because it, it takes work to put that stuff online and all that. But I wanted it to be categorized and sort of 
curated and produced in a way that can be applicable to everybody and just have tons of content on one page that whatever you are curious about as the member, you know, whether it was marketing that day or clinical stuff, business related content that you could go in and do that. And I needed somebody who really knew the marketing stuff way better than I ever could and the business stuff. And that that's you for sure. So I asked you and you said yes, because you're nice and, and <laughs> influential, <laughs> easily influenced by a guy like me. Yeah. A little bit of both for sure. So we started this chiropractic success Academy. It's been going great. I think it's still an experiment in process, like an ant farm. We're trying to make it better each day. Uh, but what, what impressions have you taken from it so far as we've gotten started? We're about what, six, seven months in or so Oh, July of last year. So we're pulling yeah. up. Yeah. It's been, it's been a good, we're getting almost to a year. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a good run. And I think one of the th- images that I found from Joe Polish, uh, maybe a month ago, and I think I shared it, but it was a box with a bunch of dots in it and it said information. And then it was a box with all the same dots, but connected. And that said knowledge. And I liked it because I feel like that's what say my Facebook group is and your Facebook group is to where it's a bunch of good information, right? Like it's a bunch of good information and get a ton out of it. I mean, think about what you've got from your Facebook group as far as where it's gone and how it's grown. But then something like CSA is more of like connecting those dots and putting it in a way that's digestible for people at any step of the process of being either a student, new grad, middle of the road, kind of been around for five, 10 years, and then more experience like you and I, I think it really helps connect those dots. And then especially as we've, it's become more robust, the, the academy, there's a lot of information in there. That's why we decided to put that kind of start here category where it's like, Run through these things first, and then you can go the direction you want to and and use it as kind of a a database of things. So I think that's what I've gotten out of it. It really connects those dots. And the members that we have now, they will tell you, with you and me producing anywhere from three to four things per month to put in there, that they feel like they're drinking from a fire hose sometimes. (laughs) Yes. And I always try to reiterate that you're not supposed to digest all of it pursue the, the things that are important to you. And we, we accomplished that in the beginning of the CSA through uh, an audit process that you came up with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did a pretty extensive audit to where we gave them three big key takeaways and start there. And then, you know, we, we probably need to actually have them refill it out just for their own doing. I don't want to go through all the time to re- <laughs> read through all theirs again. Yeah, yeah. There was like 85, I think, signed up from the beginning. I was like, oh. <laughs> it's a lot of, pay, you know, to individualize everybody, that's a lot to go through. Yeah, but the audit's cool because it actually it actually give you the feedback you need without having to necessarily have someone go through it. And you, as you fill it out, it's like, oh, I probably should do that. I should probably improve on that. Uh, it makes you think, you know, and, and so it gave a little bit of a tailored component to the CSA for them, and then they could plug in what they needed to do. Before we started this, and I was um, hanging out with my two-year-old and saying, you know, before you do a podcast, I was like, what am I going to talk about and all that? And just the word success came to my mind. Like, (laughs) how do you even define success? Or when it comes to the Chiropractic Success Academy, I try to define it for all of our members as a thing that success 
you have to define your own definition of success and not let somebody else define it for you. And then we build the roadmap from there. I'm not asking you what you think success is, but I found that running this academy, it's been challenging to to sort of help people see that their own success can be completely different and then, and then try to show them how to make their own road, roadmap to get there. Yeah. And I think that's, it's a good way of putting it because it's going to be different for everybody, uh, completely different, right? Hopefully, hopefully so. I mean, I don't think our business is homogenized like that where, mm-hmm. you know, like dentistry, uh, the success definitions could be a lot more limited or truncated for sure. And I think it kind of, to try to answer, not for me personally, but for people in general, what I use is a kind of a lighthouse and it's a strategic coach concept, but it's that four freedoms, which we do ask and we have a module and it's like freedom of time, freedom of money, freedom of purpose and freedom of relationship. And it's like, you know, we can all point to the person that's got plenty of money, but has no time. And they're just killing themselves and their family's falling apart and, and all that. And then we get the person that's, unfortunately doesn't have freedom of money, especially in our profession. We run into that a lot. So we got to get that squared away. But the thing with money is it's all your personal relationship with money, right? Like, you know, people that make 95,000 a year and live phenomenally and and are happy and everything's great because they're smart with their money and they're, you know, and then you got people that make $325,000 a year and their yearly expenses are $375,000. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Well, that was my point. Like I could define success through the success Academy by if I can show a doctor, whatever that end game is, if I can show them the way there and they can figure it out for themselves, that would be what I would define as success. I mean, I see so many Kairos that are sort of stuck in that leaky bucket rat race, you know, like they've just constantly got to fill the bucket and they end up on your doorstep. They're like, can you be the one, Kevin Christie, Bobby, can you be the ones to help me fill my leaky bucket? <laughs> and they sort of come snooping around and seeing if you can fill their leaky bucket. And you try to tell them it's not the bucket, it's you. <laughs> and they don't want to hear. They're like, on to the next one. I don't have time for this. I need to find someone who's going to help me fill my leaky bucket. And it's like, maybe that's not the definition of success that'll work for everybody. It's true. And I had this conversation with someone not that long ago because there's definitely a cash flow crunch and and I've talked to quite a few chiropractors about this and I always bring it back to myself but patients can sense if something's off with you right let's say it's a cash flow crunch or like for me it was going through the divorce in 2015 the like I struggled I showed up to work every day I never missed a day of work but I struggled and Patients could sense that even though I put on a show when I was at office and it did help and as far as being around people and all that, but they could sense it. And after the fact, when like everything kind of the dust settled, people would share with me afterwards. Like, you know, I could just tell something was, was a little off and, or if you're having cash flow issues, you're going to be thinking about that. And like, if, instead of 20 patients on the schedule, only 13 showed up and you're pissed off and you're aggravated and it's going to seep into that you can get all the guidance you want in the world and all the strategies and tips and tactics and stuff like that. But if you don't fix that, then it's going to be for naught. You're not going to really get the results that you want. So sometimes you have to be honest with yourself. Sometimes we have to be honest with them. (laughs) There's a lot to it. And there's strategies too that are appropriate. So just recently you made a very short video about the during game and the after game of marketing, not just that attracting of a new patient, but the 
the middle and the end game as well of this process that you take somebody through. Mm-hmm. And uh, first and foremost, I think if people will at least wrap their minds around the, the, the idea that it's a, it's a relationship process mm-hmm. and not all, not all valuable relationships are meant to last forever. But if, at least if you can respect the process, you can build more worthwhile relationships. But what, what did you have to say about the uh, during and after game that was important or that's sunk in with you the most? Yeah, so Dean Jackson, I'd like to give him credit. Dean Jackson talks a lot about, he's a marketing guy, and he calls it the before, during, and after unit. And essentially what the mistake a lot of chiropractors are making is that they only focus on new patients. We hear when we're in school, new patients are the lifeblood of your practice and everybody's trying to get through new patients. Well, historically, yeah, you have to have new patients, but historically chiropractors have kind of burned and churned through new patients. And so they need to keep on getting more and more and more and more. And they're never in a situation where they have a self-sustaining and predictable practice because they haven't done anything to optimize that during unit, which is the patient experience from the moment they call your practice to the end of their treatment plan or the after unit, which is when they're done with their treatment plan. And let's say they come in, you know, regularly, maybe once a month or whatever, or they just don't come in at all. You got to be focusing on those things where historically the poor chiropractors have burned people is during that during unit, right? Like they try to get them in kicking and screaming, and then they try to sell them on this craziness and this crazy plan. Well, they don't want to refer any patients in, right? <laughs> like right. they kind of felt duped and they feel ashamed that they bought into this craziness. And so that's been historically. But the point of what I talked about is for chiropractors is to really focus their marketing and their strategies around that during unit and the after unit. Because what ends up happening if you do that, three things are going to happen. You're going to get more new patients. Because if Mary's really happy during that treatment plan of hers, she's going to be more likely to refer patients in during that period of time, right? Yeah, there's and a window there. Yeah. It's a huge window. And then also, if you're sending out regular emails and content around that, those people that have not been in in a while, like let's say eight months, they're still going to tend to refer people in. You know, like if Mary gets an email from you and she's sitting at her desk and then Sally next to her is complaining of a headache, it should be a high chance she's going to refer Sally into your practice. Whereas if she hadn't seen any of your content in eight months since the last time she'd been in your office, she would have forgot about you. And so if you really do well on those two things, you're going to get more new patients. Secondly, if your patient experience or that during unit is really good and you're getting them valuable information and you're communicating well with them, you're going to increase your patient retention. They're going to actually stick to the treatment plan. And then lastly, patient activation reactivations are going to go up. If you have a good after unit strategy and Dan Kennedy, the marketing guy talks about putting fence around your cattle, whereas the patient and your patient base is your cattle, the content is the fence around them. And you're always going to maintain that top of mind awareness. And so they're going to come in more often when something happens. And so, you know, Mary hasn't been in your practice for eight months and she has a headache, and then Sally says, oh, you got to go see my chiropractor. Mary's forgotten about you and says, okay, yeah, let me get you know her number. Whereas if she had content around him, Mary would have told Sally, no, I actually have a chiropractor. I got an email a couple weeks ago from him. I'm going to give them a call and stop on it, right? And so now you've gotten more reactivations, and you have a very sustainable, predictable patient flow and a practice that's healthier than the one that's reliant on having to drag new patients in all the time through a lot of kind of crazy marketing stuff. 
that does or doesn't work? Well, you know, some of those folks, they're trying to date supermodels, I call it. (laughs) You want to date a supermodel, what do you do? You ask a thousand supermodels out and one's going to say yes. (laughs) It's like, uh, so there's some chiros out there that want to close patients on a, I used air quotes there, they want to close patients on an air quote plan, quote unquote. And it's like, how do you do that? You go to the, whatever they do, the mall or with their marketing, they get a hundred people in and they try to close two or three of them. (laughs) It's a numbers game, right? It's a, it's a numbers game. And that's not, I don't think that's how the majority of people want to operate. Some are told that's the way they must operate. And that, that's kind of my point from the beginning is there are so many different ways to operate. Don't let anyone tell you, you have to do this business in a specific way, but you do need to understand the basic workings of marketing and business. And these are said and understood concepts. It's more expensive to get a new patient or a new customer than it is to keep one that you already have. Those sort of concepts will always live true in business. We just would like to think that we're a little different, but we're not. We're not. So, yeah. And, you know, I think part of it too is that we don't have any big ticket items really as chiropractors, especially evidence informed chiropractors. You know, we don't have the surgery or the, the braces that the orthodontists have to wear. Right. Know, if you get 10 people to come in and two buy, like, oh, we just, you know, bought a car. We don't have that. And so you need to be consistent with, people coming in and for the right reasons. And like you said earlier, building those relationships, it's just very important. Oh, it's like uh, hotel catering as we prepare for the <clears throat> chiropractic success Academy summer retreat hotel catering, where they'll get you for a, a couple grand for your event <laughs> versus owning a uh, croissant shop, you know, they'll get you on the big event and, and you got to pay the big price for the big event. But chiropractic's more like a coffee and croissant donut shop. It's like, you have to be really good with every little donut and hope that people come back and purchase over the long term many, many donuts or send other people in to get their donut or croissant. You know, this idea that you're going to sell a lifetime croissant membership after one meeting, it just seems kind of far-fetched. I know some can, <laughs> but that doesn't mean that's what everybody should be doing. And I think that's a point, like some can, right? There are outliers in every profession. Every profession is going to have the top, you know, 0.05% or 1%, but some professions you're going to have a, a range that can do r- really well financially. You know, like if you're in the top 50% of plastic surgeons, you're probably making a killing. Whereas with chiropractic, you know, you, it's tougher and you got to find yourself at a higher percentage to get the living that you want. But one of our goals is, I know, is to try to get that range to be higher. Like, how do we get more chiropractors achieving what they desire and not having to rely on purely being this charismatic, amazing person, communicator, whatever? We want to improve on those things, but how can we get chiropractors doing a lot of things the right way that has a well-rounded approach that gives them a very nice practice? You know, when I, I just spoke in Berlin at the WFC slash ECU Congress, somebody asked that question in a Q&A session to us, to me. You know, it was like, uh, we have these chiropractors and we only see a certain percentage of the population and how do we see more of a percentage and and how do we build our success and reputation and all, all those sort of things were wrapped up into one question. And I, I simply answered, I think it was like one or two sentences Patients can be considered customers as well. And if you give the customer what they actually want, they will buy more of it. That was it. 
Makes sense. And, uh, they're telling us out there, the customers are telling us, public health officials are telling us that low back pain is a worldwide epidemic. Musculoskeletal pain and musculoskeletal dysfunction are a worldwide epidemic that affects lives and it affects workplace productivity and all these other issues. And we just seem to not want to grab that bull by the horns and just own it. And there's a whole patient slash customer base out there that would just love to have an expert to go to that, you know, it's, it's been outlined in many texts and many research papers that low back pain and musculoskeletal pain is like a, it's like a choose your own adventure. It's like a shopping in a grocery store. People don't have an expert to go to that can give them the best answers. We can be that expert. Uh, it just seems like there's a certain percentage of us that don't want it because they want to hold out for the bigger, the bigger magical, the big pie in the sky, you know, like I want to deal with these big things. And it's like, that is a big thing. <laughs> it is a worldwide epidemic is a big thing that you can own and be a worldwide leader in. But, uh, you know, everyone's got their own perspective. It gets kind of frustrating. Yeah. And I know you've talked about it before. It's like, you'd have a dream of having like to be the low back clinic where you're the the person, you know, and you're, mm-hmm. and I think that's something that people can actually do. You know, I talk a lot about niches and sometimes it's more like we're going to niche to golf or we're going to niche to pediatrics or we're going to niche to to that. You could niche to yeah. the back, right? <laughs> you could be the person in your community as the, the go-to for it. If obviously, you know, your information, you're up to date on it, you've got the great treatment methods and evaluations, and then you position yourself as that through very effective content marketing, you could become the back person. <laughs> and we could do yeah, that as a profession in a lot of ways. In big cities, I mean, you could be, you could, you can niche yourself to a body part for sure. Shoulders, necks, knees, motor vehicle accidents, things like that. Um, I think that is my portion of hosting the show. Oh, yeah. Now I'd like you to have time hosting the show on the Two Guys podcast. Absolutely. I wanted to ask you, what was your biggest takeaway from Berlin? My biggest takeaway is that the tide is absolutely shifting, even if it's shifting much slower than people would like to imagine, uh, as far as this movement towards a more evidence-based, integrative, patient-centered approach to care. There was a recent survey that went around on Facebook about removing the word subluxation from the profession. Yeah, that was an interesting one. Get into it here. (laughs) But that question was asked in in a researched published poll in, I believe, 1990. It might have been 2003 or 1993. It was one of those. I think it was 2003. And 97% of the people said, no, we're not getting rid of that word. And then you move on to now, 2019, so we're, what, 15, 16 years later, and the it, it was uh, 64 to 36. 64% no, we're not getting rid of that word, 36, yes. So that's a 33% shift, even though this Facebook poll is not, you know, it's not, there, there was no standards to it. Who knows what those numbers are? It could be completely different, but the conversations are changing. The the researchers are getting involved and that's when you need to start paying attention because usually these scientists usually just do their work. They publish their findings and then they get out of the way and they don't really make sort of political type comments or, or directional comments towards a profession. But what I saw in Berlin were a lot of the researchers saying, here is our information. We need to go in this direction with it. 
And then uh, even uh, Jan Harvickson, who was published in The Lancet, was standing up on the stage and saying that certain behaviors in the profession are just outright nonsense and we need to stop them. And that's a big deal. That is a big deal, especially on a stage like that. Now, what I saw that blended with that, so there's that, and the Congress itself is supposed to be inclusive. And I think it was inclusive to a degree, but you know, the people who don't want to be there aren't going to be there. They're going to be in their own echo chamber at their own events because it costs money to go to these events. So why would you go to an event where people might disagree with you? Yeah, uh, You would go to an event where everyone disagrees with you and you feel good about yourself. So I don't think it was equally represented as far as like inclusiveness, but there were definitely different avenues or different folks from different strokes there. The thing that was interesting was watching the blending of the politicians. So now we have scientists saying we need to go one way. We have the clinicians saying we need to go that way. We have other practitioners saying, no, we disagree. We're going to go this way. And then we have politicians in the middle. And they're the ones that I, I respect the work they're doing. I understand that it's work that needs to be done. But geez, Louise, do they suck at life. <laughs> I mean, they just, they're stuck in a position where they have to try to please everybody, you know? So their language is the most ineffectual, non, you know, we always think that the politicians are the ones who are supposed to get things done, right? Mm -hmm. Like they're the ones who go in there and they make change happen and they represent people and they get it done. But I think in the chiropractic political landscape and this landscape, and there's no, this is not an insult on any one person or politician. Cause I know they're doing the job. And like I said, I think they're doing, they're doing the best they can at it, but they also are, are on like a, a hierarchy you know, they're, they're at the top of a certain food chain and they don't want to lose their position in this food chain at all. So they're not going to say anything that's going to offend anybody. And, and that's where, you know, you bring up someone like me into a room like this, because I will say the thing that needs to be said, <laughs> you know, within some bounds of modesty or, or respect, I'm not going to get too out of hand, but someone's got to say the things that need to be said. And it was such a relief to see people like Jan Harvickson and Greg Kawchuk and these researchers and leaders like uh, Michelle Myers and other PhDs that were saying the things that need to be said, but the politicians were still like sort of, buh, 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 we can't, we can't offend anybody. And I, I get it. That's where their money comes from. You ever see the movie Charlie Wilson's war a long time ago? Yeah. We need yeah. a Charlie Wilson yeah. for the chiropractic profession. I mean, it, <laughs> for those that haven't seen it, he basically was a politician from Texas and, he got things accomplished that would have been no chance with his platform. I think he was a Democrat, not to get into politics, but there was just no way it was going to get done. But he was so connected and he knew how to, to really get things done. And he wasn't afraid to shoot people straight. And he accomplished uh, what he set out to do and really changed the game for that particular topic. But we, uh, we definitely need a Charlie Wilson to. Here's my vision, man. Like, there's a lot of talk of divorce yep. in the profession or, or somehow like stair-stepping the profession so that one faction that believes a certain way can go one way and one faction goes the other way. I don't think there's two factions. And I think that's the, the foundation of this argument that is flawed. So everyone who's talking about divorce or, or the politicians that are like, you can't be left or right, whatever you want to call it, because you might offend this mass middle that's just really apathetic or quiet. Is that there's no mass middle. I think there's just a bunch of different small segments to the profession that are sort of like tied around their treatment type, right? Yeah, like makes sense. Sports and 
then even in sports there's like sports rehab people and then there's like sports physiotherapy people and then there's like sports performance people and then there's the people who use clickers and then there's the people who uh do nutrition and functional medicine like they're not in a middle they're all over the place so you're not going to appease any sort of middle and it's just a foundational way that this profession came along it's been there since the beginning so there is no pleasing a middle what you need to do is at least sit everybody down and say okay for now what can we at least agree on can we agree on anything can we agree uh that people should have uh, access to conservative care like conservative holistic care okay we can go there right mm-hmm. and then kind of branch off from there so instead of focusing on our disagreements if we can focus on our agreements then we can at least start somewhere but i do think at some point everybody is going to have to break bread in one room and if i remember my history right that's where the wfc the world federation of chiropractic came from i think they uh, at some point came to the ica and the aca and they were like y'all need to come together it was like a it was like a beatles song you know like come together and, <laughs> and the ica and the aca could not do that mm-hmm. so the wfc was born out of that in one way or another okay that makes sense now you kind of mentioned earlier about you know you're kind of becoming that that person that's trying to move that conversation forward are you accepting of that role are you looking to do more of that, like go to Tokyo in a couple of years, different things like that. Is that something you're willing to accept? Cause it's, it's a, it's a big, it's a big job. Oh, it was another thing that Jan Harvickson said in, in Berlin is even he got on the stage and he said, there's this thing called imposter syndrome to the docs listening out there. You have it too. You just don't know it. And imposter syndrome is this idea that when you're asked to do something that you think is way out of your league, you feel like you're an imposter and, and at some point everyone's going to expose you as a fraud, you know, but the reality of someone who has imposter syndrome is no, by all means and in, in, intents and purposes, they are meant to be there for some reason or another. You're not faking. If somebody invited you to speak at your County health board meeting, or they invited you to speak at Parker seminars, or they invited you to speak in Berlin or anywhere else, you, you've earned it. You deserved it at some level. You did something. And you have to remember what that thing was and, and be true to that. And that's what this has been. This is, for me, all it's been is being very honest, almost honest to the point of being somewhat too real. You know, like I've torn down all the professional walls sometimes in my speech you know, even using cuss words and things like that and being overly dramatic to get people's attention, you know, and that stuff has to be dialed back. So things like Tokyo, the WFC meeting in Tokyo in 2021, I told uh, Richard Brown, who, who is the chancellor of the WFC and those folks, I plan on being there. Um, I plan on improving my message and tightening it and, and being even better than I was or what I am now. And that's, that's what to me, forward thinking is I can only guarantee that I'll be better in two years. Yeah, absolutely. Um, dude, because public speaking's hard. <laughs> <laughs> it you is can hard. say whatever you want, but as soon as they call you on that stage and you look out there, it's like, oh. Yeah, it, it's hard. I know uh, for me, Parker Vegas, I think I had about 400 in the audience and it was the biggest. But I, I, I did well and I got some compliments and I had people come up and tell me, you know, I did good, but they don't see 
all of the talking that I've done in the past and kind of take it back to like the marketing thing is like I built my practice on public speaking in the community, whether it was a running group, a golf country club or whatever. Like I just constantly was getting in front of people because I, I sucked at it when I was, <laughs> I was part of at Logan. They had something called the health awareness workshop team. Uh-huh. You had to give a talk every Wednesday night to the new patients that came into the student clinic. And it was a pretty good talk. It wasn't anything crazy. It was a, it was a good, healthy, you know, 45 minute talk. And you had to try out for it. And I, and I actually failed it. I didn't join, I didn't make the team <laughs> to, to do it. So I had to retry and I did it. And I, they finally, basically, I think they let me in and they felt bad. Uh, but I started giving those talks and I did, you know, start to get better. And then I remember a buddy and I, of uh, myself, and we went out and we had to do a dual talk a bunch of burly men that were line workers, like phone wire line workers on the ground. And it was like 60 of them in a room. They didn't give two craps about anything health related, but we had to give them this talk on ergonomics and different things. And uh, it was the hardest one at the time, but we did pretty good. And I remember saying after that, I was like, you know what, if I can do that, I could probably keep on graduating to the next level of difficulty. And so I just kept on, challenging myself on it but yeah it's still nerve-wracking as heck when you get up there (laughs) (laughs) of your presentation at parker you know the magnum opus that you prepared ahead of time to deliver what percentage of that content do you think you actually delivered the way you wanted to yeah so i i would say 90 percent. i hit it right on time i good i use like for for me what's been helpful is i've gotten pretty good at prezi p-r-e-z-i i know you know what it is but for the audience Uh prezi it does a good job of flowing for you and keeping on point. And I would say I, I practiced a fair amount, but I just kept on, we had to submit ours in December, December 1st. So it was like two and a half months before it was done. So I had it done and I would keep on referencing it and make sure I really hit key points. And so I think I did a pretty good job of it. I definitely left a couple big parts out. That's the difference, my friend. For Berlin, we had a conference ahead of time, and then they wanted to know what we were talking about. And I, I gave a synopsis of my presentation. And so the first problem was the politicians. My panel was heavily politically oriented. We're like, you know, they were first like, well, you can't say that stuff because you're going to offend somebody. You don't want to offend the middle. So they were trying to preserve their own constituency there, you know? Yep. And I didn't realize that. I'm new to the show. I'm the rookie on the team. And I'm like, okay, I'll cut a whole bunch of stuff out. And then um, they were saying, we don't have enough time for slides. We don't have enough time for a presentation. You're just going to have to give an elevator speech. Yeah, that's, so I hard. Didn't, that's hard. I didn't present a slideshow. I didn't present. I just walked up there and talked. And then everybody else showed up with the slideshow and, and they were reading off of cue cards and whatnot. I'm like, oh, I just got, I just got rocked. I just got rocked by these, these guys that are experts at this. And um, people still said I did good, but I am a a cynic at heart. So I know all the wrong things I did, not all the right ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you can't focus on that. Just improve it. Right. <laughs> but I, I got it. You get up there and it's like, uh, I know how to hit those one liners, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, and you do really good with the storytelling and the analogies. Yeah. I, when the lights started to get really bright and sparkly and, and I started to uh, forget what I was going to say, I just went into some stories. Yeah. Like the croissant shop one you just told in this episode, like, <laughs> damn, that was good. I was like, where's he going with think that? Like, that. Ah. <laughs> yeah. If you think of the greatest croissant shop in the world and if you walked in there and they made you feel like that croissant was worth a thousand dollars, what would that be like in, in chiropractic? You know, every single treatment, you give them a wow experience, even though it's a smaller transaction, but you did it enough. 
people are going to start lining up out the door. It's still a freaking croissant, man. But it's a good one, right? <laughs> an adjustment is still an adjustment, no matter how you kind of slice it, but it's how you deliver it. It is. And I think that's one of the things that I we, I know we try to get across with the, the CSA. And that's why we did it to where we have four modules. We have the marketing, we have the business, which great. But then we also have the mindset, which goes back to what we were talking about earlier, where we got to get people really thinking clearly and having the right mindset of things. And then the fourth was the clinical side, because that's the key, right? You can put on phenomenal marketing in theory and good business principles in theory, but if your product is shit, people aren't going to come back and you're going to struggle. And so you got to have the product, which obviously is our, our exam and care. And then on the flip side of it, if you're a phenomenal adjuster and great at exam, you're going to struggle to always have a flourishing profitable practice if you don't get the marketing to kind of ignite it and obviously the business systems to sustain it. And so I think that's where the CSA is kind of a perfect blend of those four to make sure you're hitting on all four of those. And totally uh, agree. I also think that the service you provide outside of the care is part of the product as well. So like uh, your ability to answer people's financial questions or produce or execute their billing and, and collections appropriately hours available. Those are all products, especially in a commodity, you know, chiropractic on some levels is also a commodity. And we know what happens these days, especially in a bigger city is people just ring you up and they're like, are you open on Tuesday? You take my insurance. And if any of those answers are no, they're like, all right, thanks. Hang up. And they're going to call the next person. And they're just going to keep calling down the line on their insurance list. You know, they don't care how good you are. They don't care how many levels of McKinsey you've taken and you've taken all these courses. They're like, next, 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 next. And yeah, that's, that's going to lead to that le- leaky bucket if you can't exceptionalize yourself. Does that exceptionalize yourself? I like it. We can, we can add that to Webster's if we need to. <laughs> <laughs> exceptionalize yourself. Oh, but, uh, no, and I think that's definitely a, a key point. And I think it's being missed by a lot of people. And um, I had this conversation when I spoke at MPI and it was more around the adjustment part. So I'm not going to get into it, but ultimately a lot of chiropractors are uh, in the evidence informed or kind of abandoning it sometimes when it would have been a really good option for that patient and for a lot of patients. And I don't know why it is, but one of the things it could be is that they don't get proficient at the adjustment in school. They get out and they find themselves in a practice that maybe isn't doing a lot of it, or they don't practice perfect practice yeah. <laughs> and they don't ever get really good at it. So then they give up on it because either they feel ashamed that they're not good at it or insecure that they're not good at it, or they aren't delivering a good adjustment. So the patient's not getting results from it. So they say it doesn't work. You know, like there's all these things that can happen with it. And so I think that's part of what's interesting is people getting away with it. But if you just focus on getting really good at the deliverable, whether it is the adjustment or the rehab or the soft tissue, then you're going to have a big, big, you're, you're going to rectify that hole in the bucket type of situation. Now you can just pile on good business and marketing, right? Oh yeah. No, it's like, um, you know, if you only made croissants, you would get really, really good at making a croissant. 
know, if you're making croissants and bagels and donuts, you kind of kind of have to multiply or divide your attention there. I'd say I was pretty blessed and most people would not consider this a blessed situation, but my first job out of college as an associate was at a, one of those high volume personal injury, Spanish speaking only clinics. And most people would frown at ever considering working at one of those places, but it gave me a couple things. One, on many days, I never spoke a single word of English, so I am pretty proficient at street Spanish. You are. <laughs> you know, because there was no other option. Yeah. And if you, uh, I was told somebody else to say, my brain is only my brain. I don't know what's going on in anyone else's brain. I don't know how you, you all assess yourselves or consider how you're doing, whether you're quitters or tenacious or whatever. But there was also this part where when you had to see us like 60 a day or whatever it was, you had to go in and you had to adjust. Someone who can't even give you feedback in proper English that you understand well about how, how it's going or how the adjustments feel or what they're experiencing. I had to learn that information with my hands and I had to learn how to deliver an adjustment that was good that wasn't too much based on, on my own feeling alone, not somebody else's feedback. It would be um, like adjusting someone who had no language skills at all. How would you, how would you communicate what you're doing? What's working right? What's not working? And then there were certain adjustments on certain body types. I tend to think of people as body types, you know, your mesomorphs, ectomorphs, uh, and so on and so forth. And that certain adjustment types seem to work for better, different body morphologies. And I learned that just by observing people not being able to talk to them. Like, what are we dealing with on the observation level? And if a certain adjustment didn't seem like I was doing it right, I had enough people that I could go easy and, and progress my force up until I felt like I was doing it right. So I don't want to say I was experimenting on people, <laughs> but because I would never expose them to more than, than I think was safe for them. But I would work my way up to being proficient because I would just go home at night and be like, this part here, so this move or this technique for this type of person, I know I need to get it done, but it's just not working right. How do I get better at it? How do I get better? And, and I, what I really think is happening is a lot of young docs are pressured to, they're not pressured. They want to be out on their own mm -hmm. and they have not had enough exposure to human beings. And then they suck at adjusting. And then they're like, well, it just sucks as a technique. I want to pick something else up instead. That's what I think. No, I, I agree. And that was a conversation we had. And because one thing like with MPI, they're really good at teaching the adjustment and the people that really go through. Outstanding. Yeah. Yeah. People that go through that through school and stick with it, they tend to be phenomenal adjusters and deliver it when it needs to be delivered and, and how it needs to be delivered. And, uh, and we were kind of joking around because it was a bunch of students at the sports symposium. And when you adjust them, it's the easiest thing in the world, right? Like, it, <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, if you yeah, had yeah. a little bit of like down on like, you know, this 240 pound muscle bound guy coming in and you couldn't get something to go, go to a chiropractic school and start adjusting students. You'll feel a lot better about yourself. <laughs> Why do you think those YouTube video makers always have like some sort of 18 year old Instagram model who's like 110 pounds on there. Exactly. It bends them up like a pretzel. Then you get the private practice and reality slaps you in the face. But yeah, you know, I, I just, one thing I've, I've always liked about the MPI is they, they do a good job of teaching it and getting proficient at it. So it's been, it's been good for sure. And I know that we're excited. They're going to actually help us out a little bit with our content for the chiropractic success Academy under the clinician side of things. So that's a cool collaboration. 
Yeah, I'm super excited about what the Chiropractic Success Academy can be. You know, I have the roster of names of people who are members now, and I just look over those names and I'm, I'm very appreciative of them. And uh, they're helping us. And by that, we are going to be better. And then we are going to help so many people without the bullshit that comes with like guru stuff, because we're not, we're not putting that out there. We really want this to be a team environment. Think of your Facebook groups, but focused on getting some stuff done. That's what we're trying to do more or less. Yeah. And then we Um, got the uh, summer retreat coming up. And then I think people will come along. I think the right people like Motion Palpation Institute and whatnot, they will come along and they will, they're the masters of the content. Yeah. We just want to assimilate it in a way that's really valuable for people. Now, this Chiropractic Success Academy summer retreat, you know, my wife's been getting the hotels ready and all that stuff. And uh, she's an event planner in the past and it's all nice. It's going to be very nice. Now we just got to get some butts in the seats and um, this content is looking like it's ready to go. Yeah, we're, we're good. I'm, I'm excited. I know we've got people registering and reaching out and uh, it's going to be fun. I like the collection of thoughts and ideas and obviously you and I will be there doing our thing. And then we've added uh, Josh Satterley, who's uh, going to talk a lot about the rehab side of things and how to integrate that. Right. And then we've got Aaron Jorgensen about, you know, masterful and, and ethical PI practice and marketing because it can be done. That's yeah. The, so if I can interrupt, the reason I think we've chosen Aaron is, and, and not many people know who Aaron is, and that's one of the reasons, is the guy is just a baller. He knows his job. He really cares about people in this this sort of niche of chiropractic where you're not supposed to, or or the ideas that you don't. Like he is killing it in personal injury practice the right way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's he, not he's not shady in one way whatsoever. So on that aspect, I absolutely love the guy and um, he's not, he's not going to get up there. He has no bravado. He's a, he's a very modest guy, but the information that he has is so powerful. I am literally, I'm going to stand right next to the stage with the bullwhip and make sure he stays up there (laughs) Um, and it'll be good for him. Now, Josh, you know, we, when we look at the CSA from a spectrum, we look at it in four, four categories. You're either uh, just starting out like you're a student or an associate. You might move your way up into independent contractor status and then eventually a business owner and then eventually the end of career, retirement, selling practice, investing and things like that. We want to cover all four of those bases in your road on this this journey that you're on in chiropractic. And Josh has built a successful practice. Mm -hmm. He's sold a successful practice. He knows what it's like towards the end game after your business is churning for a while. What are the next big steps you can take in your life? And he knows this rehab stuff. How do you put rehab together and get paid to do it and make sure it's a a program that flows in your office? Because I know there are plenty of people that they weren't exposed to it enough in school. Like how do I know how to do the exercises chief, but how do I do the exercises in my office so that I can get paid and there just isn't a bunch of people's hanging around doing sets or the chiropractor that's spending 45 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever, doing all these exercises yeah. and charging $50 total. And it's like, now you're, you're making a hundred dollars a, an hour. You're, you're essentially yeah. a massage therapist uh, yeah. pri- price point. And that's a problem. And so I know he's going to show how to integrate it to where you can actually provide quality rehab and actually make money doing it. <laughs> that would be nice. That would be nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I'm excited about that. So uh, the summer retreat, you never know how these things are going to go in the first year, 
but we are building towards something that I think is going to be quite epic. Uh, what my experience from forward Kansas city, the event we had last year was you don't want to miss the first one. There's some, something magical about the first one. Mm-hmm. And then it gets a little more standardized as it goes, but you'd be in pretty special company to be at the first uh, CSA summer retreat. And we're going to have a lot of fun doing it. All the money that's coming into it's going back out into this event. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're not, we're not making money off this one. <laughs> But yeah, we're going to have some fun too, right? Major League Soccer with Portland. Yeah, I've got a couple little treats planned in there too. So my wife's helped me plan a couple nice little treats. So this actually will feel like one of those retreats. We're going to be in an urban forest. So you're going to have a little bit of city life and a little bit of wood, woody life at the same time. Perfect. I like it. I'm excited. Yeah, man. So And, and we get to see each other again, which is always good. Yeah, we'll have a couple of drinks. So I don't know, on a scale of uh, zero to 10, how did the two guys podcast go? This was actually not too bad. I liked it. We got to do it probably like uh, every so often just to do a little catch up. Yeah. So like every every uh, six months or so, we'll just throw in a special two guys podcast. We'll do a four guys one when we're in Portland, maybe with Josh. Yeah. And you know, yeah. When we have these events, it's awesome because someone will just pull out a microphone and push record and we'll just see what happens. We should do one when we're <laughs> drinking like, well... <laughs> Yeah, three of us will be. You're drinking. the wine guy. I'm the beer guy. Josh is the cider guy, and then Aaron drinks Mountain Diet Mountain Dew. Diet Mountain Dew. So we'll, <laughs> we'll do a we'll do a podcast until one of us keels over. So. I'm all hopped up on Mountain Dew, Chip. <laughs> Come at you like a spider monkey. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. If anyone has any questions about the Chiropractic Success Academy or the summer retreat, you can email me at Forward Thinking Cairo at gmail.com. Yeah, I still have a Gmail address. Uh, you can also check it out on the events page on forwardthinkingchiro.com. Or you can reach out to Kevin. You can also find us on Facebook, search us by names. But do they have an email to reach you out to? Kevin at moderndeskjockey.com. Keep it easy. Sweet. It was a pleasure. Absolutely. Before I let you go, I want to give you three ways that we could potentially work together in helping growing your practice. First is the Chiropractic Success Academy, and it's an online academy with a closed Facebook group, a monthly Zoom call as a group, and we really work through a lot of key aspects of growing your business, such as marketing, business, the clinical side of things, and also the mindset. And we have a great academy built out with all kinds of information you'd want that you can go through at your own pace. We have, for new members, a kind of a game plan of following these first set of modules so you don't get overwhelmed and then go from there. We bounce ideas around in the Facebook group. You have some access to myself and Dr. Bobby Maybe, and you can find that at bit.ly, B-I-T L-Y slash your CSA circle. So that's number one way you can work with me. Number two, another way we can work together is through the... CSA retreat we're having in Portland, Oregon, and that's going to be June 21st through 23rd. And that's where we're going to really dive one-on-one live as a group and get into the details of growing your practice. And we've got some special guests coming to that, Dr. Josh Satterley, Dr. Aaron Jorgensen, and you can find that at bit.ly slash CSA retreat. And then lastly, we're doing, I'm doing some one-on-one coaching. I've got a some chiropractors we're working with. If you're interested in that, where you have a coach and you have someone holding you accountable and we get really clear on the modern chiropractic marketing principles. And that is the coaching is MCM mastery. And if you're interested in that, you can go to bit.ly slash MCM coach, and you can check out that information or contact me at Kevin at modern desk and I can discuss it more with you. So 
hope those are some ways where you think we can work together and help grow together. And I appreciate everything that I've learned from you. And I love sharing some of the stuff I've been able to learn through interviewing people and doing this for 15 years in private practice. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Modern Chiropractic Marketing Show with Dr. Kevin Christie. Tune in next week for another episode that will enhance your marketing, business, and practice growth. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Dr. Christie's Modern Desk Jockey podcast and share with your desk-sitting patients. In the Modern Desk Jockey, Dr. Christie provides health and wellness best practices from some of the leading experts in the corporate wellness industry. Remember, chiropractic practice isn't easy, but it shouldn't be overwhelming. Keep leveling up.